had to flip this track again, y'all. Welcome into another Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Anilo Piro is still in California enjoying himself, so I turn to my co-host on the radio show, Sean Walsh. How you doing, man? What's happening, man? Good how's to be you, here. How's your day been? Things been good? Things have been great, man. That's what I like to hear. How are the holidays? We haven't, we haven't had holidays, you on the podcast yet, so we got to catch great. up. Holidays were great, man. Um, great day with the family. I love giving gifts, and uh, yeah, it was a nice day all around. How about you? It was good. It was good. My family's Irish and Italian, so there was plenty of alcohol flowing and pl- plenty I of I had chaos. some really tasty Bloody Marys Ooh. on Christmas Day. Oh, do you like them spicy? I, I would like one now. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, I love them spicy. <laughs> yes, yes. You have to have them ultra spicy or it's not really a Bloody Mary. That, I hear that's you. What that I hear you. Uh, spiciest game of the year for the Nuggets was this Minnesota Timberwolves game that the Nuggets lost in overtime, 128 to 125. I before we get into the interworkings of what happened in this game, in a macro perspective, do you think them losing this in this game in particular, this Minnesota Nuggets overtime game, is that a signifier that this that this team struggles to close, or was this just Jimmy Butler buzzsaw? Jimmy Butler had a hell of an overtime. I mean, there's there's no question about that. I I'm not discouraged by that loss at all. I'm not. I, I, I'm I woke not up believing more in the Denver Nuggets than I have at any point during the season. It would have been so easy, given the way Minnesota started, um, fast to just quit on that game. It was the second of a back to back. Denver did just the opposite. They did not quit. What they did was fight to the end and 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 force this thing into overtime. I mean, were there certain instant I, Carl Anthony Towns fouls out. I I expected Denver to win in overtime, but I didn't expect Jimmy Butler to do what he did in overtime, but um just looking at that game as a whole, I think fans should be encouraged and I'm not trying to throw softballs here, but it's true. I am extremely impressed with the Denver Nuggets right now. I think they are one of the five best teams in the Western Conference. I'm really happy you said that because I found myself having to beat off fans with a stick saying that they should fire Malone for the struggles at the end of games the Nuggets have been having, but they the been, schedule they've been on in yes, December. <laughs> and on top of that, they have been about a 500 team in late game situations. This is not a thing where like they're 1 in 12 in the games decided by five or less points. Like that's not what is happening here I was also very very impressed by what the Nuggets showed because I mean you had just come off a three-game stretch where you beat two division opponents two road opponents which were the Portland Trail Blazers and the Golden State Warriors when the biggest issue they have been having in a macro sense has been their road struggles and their division struggles and then you go in and you face Minnesota Timberwolves in the second night of a back-to-back who has one of the toughest matchups for them anyway because Carl Anthony Towns is so good offensively and Jimmy Butler is just a monster for anybody on this Nuggets team to deal with and they get punched first there's no doubt about it but like you said they every easily single quit time that they could have it, it, Michael Malone loves saying about how the Nuggets sometimes let go of the rope. That's a term that he always falls back on. That was not the case in this game. Whether it was Gary Harris, whether it was Trey Lyles or Nikola Jokic or Mason Plumlee or Wilson Chandler going digging deep for a bucket when they needed it. They kept it you know, within 19 and 10 points for the majority of the game and they just went on that run in the fourth quarter where they were able to end up taking that lead back at one moment. So I was thoroughly impressed by this team. Four games in six nights. That's yeah. what listeners need to understand. Like, in two back-to-backs within six days. That's that's tough for any team to overcome. And, you know, it, it looked like the circumstances were going to be beneficial for the Nuggets in overtime. Carl Anthony Towns falling out, as I said. And Taj Gibson. And, and, and you're coming off that nice run in the fourth quarter. Um, but Jimmy Butler happened. I think fatigue happened. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy, especially the way this team has been playing defensively. Um, 
you didn't see it much last night with the defense, but a lot of effort, I guess, just came to fruition in that overtime, and, and Denver ran out of gas. But I, I'm extremely encouraged. I, I haven't felt this way about the Denver Nuggets since 2012-2013. They seem to be in a good place. They seem to be responding to whatever Malone has been saying over the past couple of weeks. And the last bad game we've really seen this team play, in, in all honesty, was that road game to start off that road trip against Dallas. Yeah. Every other game they've been competitive in. I completely agree. And even when you look at like them running out of gas, they you could tell they were getting tired. But they turned it up a notch in that second half. They, in the third and fourth quarter, they held the Timberwolves to just 43 points combined. And then you go to overtime and they score 11. 11 points in overtime is a very good number to get to. But when Jimmy Butler was actually being defended pretty closely like they were right in front of him for most of these shots and he just decided that this game was over and that's what happens when a perennial MVP candidate decides that he is going to drag his corpse of a team because they had lost Jeff Teague to a knee injury that ended up being a bad injury yeah he ended up it's actually not an ACL sprain or an ACL tear like he's actually going to be okay it's just a sprain he should Mm -hmm. be back in about probably six weeks but then you lose Taj Gibson who was great in this game to foul trouble then you lose Carl Anthony Towns to foul trouble as well and he just decided it was going to be his team but Nikola Jokic was really who I was really impressed with he was assertive from the get-go Nikola can yeah he he came to play and I mean it's nothing surprising to me what what Nikola Jokic does for this team night in night out um, it's overlooked nationally I don't overlook it he is the heart and soul of this team for sure he is he he pushes this this team like an engine without a doubt and the reason they were even in this game was his ability to draw fouls to take the ball get to the line slow down the pace of play and get points for his team he was 11 of 12 from the free throw line and he was great in that second half as whoever was on him he was not going to allow him to allow whoever his defender was to stop him and because of that you see 22 points nine rebounds four assists two steals and a block he ended up being a plus one one of of only three players in the team that wasn't a net positive and those 12 free throws were very telling for me I love seeing Nikola Jokic just go down to the block either get fouled or get a bucket and one way or another he was helping his team can i can i point out two things yes that, that bothered me yes from, from the win last night uh the minnesota win um first of all it made me think about draft day like hmm. what would have happened if denver was the team that acquired jimmy butler how good would the nuggets be with a player like that that was one kind of negative thought i had the other negative thought and i've said it on the show I, I cannot stand. I, I appreciate what Mason Plumlee is doing. For this <laughs> I knew team, this was going to be, but I things. cannot stand watching that guy in person or on television shoot free throws. Learn how to shoot free throws, dude. You were in my head the entire game that he was, was shooting I? free throws the entire way. So I actually went in and looked at what I was he was complaining doing. about it. I was He's watching it with a buddy. I was under complaining. Under forty percent from the free throw line. It's, it's, it's atrocious. He's the worst. Per- so out of all players who have taken at least fifty free throw attempts this season, he is dead last in percentage. It. I don't get it. It is absolutely insane to me. And he, I, I need to ask Michael Malone about that. <laughs> and he's three of six from, from the free throw line this, uh, in this night, which yeah, that's for not him good. is actually pretty good. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good, Mason. I want to go Damn. back to the Jimmy Butler thing because that thought also went through my head. The Their draft nu- night, yeah. Because yeah. the Nuggets just don't have a dude that is just like, get out of my way. Like, I'm handling this. And th- there's what? Eight people in the NBA. Will Barton tries to, to be that guy, and sometimes. he was. I mean, he had twenty-eight points, and he was Will not was good back. in the first half. Will was back. It was so good to see some threes fall for him, and his shot start to drop. And all of a sudden, he's ten of seventeen from the field and four of eight from three. He had another five assists, just one turnover night, where he was just a great playmaker. But seeing his scoring get going again was great. But there's nobody on this team in that capacity and not only that they don't have anybody defensively where you can match up with a player of Jimmy caliber or Jimmy Butler's caliber he just can't like Torrey Craig's a very good defender but he's not a defender who can stop Jimmy Butler nobody on this team is able to do that not a lot of people in the league can stop yeah exactly 10-15 people on a given night that have an opportunity to be even be able to slow him down so 
overall for me, this was purely a loss that is a schedule loss and as good of a moral victory as you can have for this Nuggets team. Was there anybody in this game that you were thoroughly impressed with on the Nuggets that you were surprised by their game? Given the way Will Barton was playing the last couple weeks, man, um, I was pleasantly surprised with the game he had off the bench. I mean, he is a great weapon off the bench. Um, surprised? No, not not really. Man, um, Trey Lyles. Well, I think I think it's right that we talk about Trey Lyles. Um, I, I I busted this question on the show yesterday. I said, "Would you rather have going back to draft night? Would you rather have Donovan Mitchell for the Nuggets team, or would you rather have Trey Lyles?" Trey Lyles is blossoming. We don't know what his upside is. I know people say Donovan Mitchell has the better upside. Well, that's easy to see right now. We don't know what the upside is for Trey Lyles. He is just starting to get meaningful minutes, and he's being this productive. This is the Nuggets' secret weapon. Yeah, season. he is an X factor in that way. How high do you think his ceiling really is, though? I don't How, know. Like, could he be a starting caliber power forward in the NBA? I, I, I think he might already be there. Really? You I, think that he could start a power forward for this Nuggets team I, and help I, them? Well, with Millsap out, I, I think exactly. he's—I I think he's a viable option. Um, this is really his first minutes in the NBA. It's hard to answer that question. Where is he going to be a year from now? Two years from now? Three years from now? I mean, it's just, uh, this basically is rookie year, given how hurt he was at Utah. I go back to how Gary Harris's rookie year started under Brian Shaw and how he just didn't get any time. He had a very short leash. There were veterans in front of him, and he never got going, and there was never any rhythm. That is very similar to the path that Trey Lyles has had, because his two years in Utah, you had Joe Johnson and Boris Dion, all of these veterans that were in front of him that were going to play more than him. Derek Favors was there at one point still, I think, as well. And he had a very short leash. He wasn't as good defensively, so Quinn Snyder was not giving him the time. He comes to Denver, and just as Michael Malone did with Gary Harris. He is instilling confidence in Trey Lyles to play the way that he plays, and he is rewarding them with just a ridiculously good efficiency scoring. He's been solid defensively. He's not going to be a world beater defensively ever. He just isn't that guy, but he was very helpful defensively, I thought. He was a he was second on the team as a plus seven. He had a 10 rebounds. He was an atrocious rebounder for most of his career. All of a sudden now, he is using that athleticism to get into the paint and really gobble up some boards, and you had 23 points on 13 shots? Like, I don't know what's not to like about this kid at this point. He is going to be a guy who helps this team this season and down the line, I think. I agree with everything you just said, but let me point out Michael Malone. I mean, he yeah. has saved the careers, as you mentioned, of Gary Harris. He has saved the career of Trey Lyles. He saved a lot of careers except for Emmanuel Moutier. I mean, that's that's the only and at some point right you kind of have to be like, well, if everybody's getting better under Michael Malone and Moutier isn't, is it a Moutier problem or a Malone problem? And I am. But I'm scared to death side. of what, what you always say to me is if you trade him, he might catch on somewhere else. Yeah. He's a superstar. Well, there's just well, not superstar. I don't think he's at a superstar level because mentally he doesn't just have that. that uh, he has drive. But to be a superstar, to be a top 15, top 20 player in the NBA, you need to have a drive and a work ethic that is unparalleled. Did China ruin him? I don't think it's China. I, I honestly don't. I feel like this is a kid who was immigrated in from from the Congo after losing his father to the Civil War, and his mother was not with him, and he was with his brothers, had to learn how to play high school basketball in Texas, then ends up in China, and then ends up with the Nuggets. When do you learn how to develop who you are throughout all of that? I don't think it's fair to judge him based on who we, like what has gone on throughout his career and the way he has gotten here, because it has just been so beyond chaotic that I don't think it's fair to judge him in that way, but he hasn't shown the intangibles that can lead to him taking these tools and this mold of clay that he still is and actually form it into something that is a productive NBA player. I don't think that drive right now exists within Emmanuel Moody, even though he does work very hard, even though he has improved his jump shot and he has improved his, de his decision making a little bit. Like you 
do see improvement, but he still is just an unplayable player. So don't blame Moutier. Blame the media. I, I, no, mean, I don't know about the media. This is well, a, it's after, a Moutier issue. I mean, this, he this needs is, to learn how to get better on his own because he has not been able to necessarily do that in an NBA way and become a productive player. This, the Nuggets have put him in positions to be able to do so. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. This is a legitimate question, though. It is. I mean, when he was drafted 7th in 2015, he was supposed to be the savior. I was seeing you know, the, sports news guys. is what they bring yeah, yeah, around yeah, the Yeah, sports him. news guys were saying this was the Nuggets' greatest draft pick since Carmelo Anthony, and there was you know those types of expectations. Do you think it was the expectations that hurt Moutier? I think it, I definitely think it was, and I think that when you drop the keys on a rookie point guard who played twelve games in China between high school and the NBA, and he starts against Chris Paul in his first game, like yes, the learning curve is going to be as steep of a, of a learning curve as there is in any capacity. So I do think the expectations could have been. I don't know if it's the media because the media, like I know people were high on him. Nobody was ready to say that he was going to come in and be an eighteen four and eight guy. Like it was never. Jason those Kidd kind said of Emmanuel Moutier was going to be better than him. Yeah, and Larry Brown, who was going to coach him at SMU, said that he was one of the most talented point guards he's ever seen. So like, and, and again, <laughs> it comes back to you have to learn how to get better every single day and have the tenacity and the insane ridiculous, relentless drive to become a better player. And there's what a half percent of individuals in the world who have that ability to be that driven. It's not a shot on Moody saying he's not that driven, but he needs that kind of drive to continue to mold himself into an NBA player. He's just gotten worse year after year. Is he out of the rotation he's, now? He's, yes, his his best year, his best year was his rookie year. Yeah. He has been steadily worse every single year. And they've been taking more and more control away from him throughout those years. And I think that's, that's a lot to do with it, too, is that they just gave the kid the keys and they were like, run it. This well, is all rotation. you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But right now, back to the point, is Moody out of the rotation? Yeah. And I think Farid is, too. I do, too. I, Malone has found a rotation that works. He is going to stick with this unless there's an injury or until Paul Millsap comes back. This, These are his guys. And that's an important point, too, because the Nuggets were on a second night of a back-to-back. -back. It's their fourth game in six nights after a back-to-back -back against Those the Trailblazers and Golden State. And he plays Darrell Arthur over Kenneth Fareed. That was so telling to me, because don't get me wrong, Malone loves Darrell Arthur. Darrell Arthur is a, he's a coach in waiting. That dude will be a coach in the NBA at some level. He also knows how to corral his guys and get them moving in the correct direction as a very vocal defender. So there are reasons why he could help you in the situation when Malone put him in for those five minutes. But Darrell Arthur in a physical presence is just unable to play at an NBA level anymore, in my opinion. He's more kind of like a Mike Miller. Yeah, he now, is, except now, Mike now Miller career. stretched the floor and could hit threes and was a smart passer and all those things. So he at least so was saying able Mike to Miller would ball over. Yes, okay. yes, he would. <laughs> I, right. I, I would go there. All but right. I do. It's it's really telling to me that when you need energy, you need rebounding, you need a guy who can get momentum swinging back in your direction. And Malone still did not go Why? to Kenneth Fareed. Why? Because I don't think Kenneth Fareed helps this team in this way anymore. And I think that whatever is going on... If you need energy, he should be your guy. I agree with that, but he has not been a helpful player on this team. I think that they realize that they don't want to keep toying with him in and out of this rotation at this point because he's not going to be a part of it. So he's going to be the 12th man until... 13th? I mean, yeah, that's what we're looking That's what we're looking at right now. Sad. Like, you're looking at Tyler Lydon because, because he's a rookie and needs a lot of work on his body and more time in the G League as the guy who is going to be behind him in the rotation. Yeah. Like, that is where we're at. And then you have Moutier and Farid. It's incredible. That's what happens. I mean, and I think it's a good thing because think about it this way. He has not played Fareed in six games now, and that is without Paul Millsap. That is with injuries throughout the roster, and yet Trey Lyles is getting 31 minutes. I go back to media day. What, what, what did Fareed tell us? He, 
he believes he's a starter. Yep. He's not even a bench player anymore. Nope, he is not, and that's a very good point. I would and love to see where Kenneth Reed is at mentally with, with this going on. Let's go look at his Instagram feed. It ain't very excited. I can tell you that much. There's a whole lot of inspirational quotes about keeping your head up through tough times. So uh, it doesn't seem like he is So do you feel bad happy. for Freed? I do, because I, I do, do think he's a productive NBA player too. in certain systems. Like I think Brooklyn would be very good with him. Like I think there's a lot of places where he could really help a team. Does Denver do the right thing like they did with Jameer Nelson? No, because it's too much money to eat. Because it's this year and next year you're paying out. That's like $24 million. They're not going to do that. Or would you entertain a trade where you're not getting much back? Well, they've been... And that's the key, is that they obviously have been trying to trade for Reed for has been, what, like four years now? And it's one of those things where are they asking too much? Is it the fact that there's no NBA teams want him? We don't know that answer. We don't know why it has not been able to happen for four years now. Will Tim so, Connolly talk about it? I don't think so because he's been kind of asked about it and you can't really throw a player under the bus and be like, yeah, no one wants him. And at the same time, you don't want to go out there and be like, we're asking too much. There's not really a good answer for Tim Connolly to, to give. That's, that that's a rough situation. So, that's a rough situation. Yes. And don't forget, what are all of the situations with this Nuggets team where they talk about how they don't get enough back for the guys that they trade? There's always this optics from the fans that the front office is incompetent, which is so wrong. So, so, so wrong that this team is run incompetently. I just lose my mind with fans. Michael Malone should not be fired. Tim Connolly is not incompetent. This is just Michael Malone. Yeah, I think deserves an extension based on what I've seen over the yeah. last couple of weeks. Let's see if he can um, sustain this role he has this team on. If he makes the right decisions once Paul Millsap comes back, but if the Nuggets keep playing at this level, that man deserves an extension at the end of the year. It's a good topic to move into, and Michael Malone has made this team better every year. Every single year, they have improved in some way. From his first year to his second year, he turned the offense into an entirely different beast. Their win total has gotten better every single year, and now you see the defense all of a sudden get integrated on this team. You see young players consistently getting better and better and better in Gary Harris. You see it in Jamal Murray. You see it in guys like Torrey Craig, who are older but have not seen this level of play. Will Barton, who was not playing in Portland until he got to Denver, and Michael Mullen really got his hands on him. And he had the balls to allow Nikola Jokic to run an offense, a 22-year-old 22 unathletic center from Sambor, Serbia, who had no idea what to do at the NBA level. Like, Michael Malone des deserves so much credit for this ascension of the Nuggets. He knows what he's doing with this team. He's confident with this team. Um, does he always do the right things? No, I'm, I'm no not going to lie to you. Uh, there was times last year he, he drove me nuts with the lack of late-game execution. But, but the lack of late-game execution last year, which resulted in, in you know, half-dozen losses, it's not the same type of end-of-game lack of execution you're seeing here, I, I just think you're getting beat by better teams um, or better down the players, stretch. or teams that are say. or teams that are more fresh. Because um, you, you see, Chris have an inferno. You see Victor Oladipo going to an inferno. You see Jimmy he, Butler going to an inferno. These are just incredible players. Yeah, Oladipo, Porzingis. I, I, I'll give you that. But I'm just going to go back to Oklahoma City. I mean, you think about where the Thunder were at at that point in the season, and I realize it was only a few weeks ago, but they had to have that win. Yeah. Denver didn't necessarily have to have that win there. And I think that played a role into it. The, the one that makes me scratch my head is that home game against Minnesota. Yeah. But... I mean, and don't forget, that's, that's allowed one time. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So at some point, you speak, you know what? You had a bad night. It's an 82-game season. We can move on from there. And that's kind of the approach he took uh, with the media after that game. But he did call out Jokic for his 10 turnovers. But it's not oh, going to be yeah. every game where Jokic is going to turn the ball over 10 times. That game, I don't want to say it was a fluke because it happens time to time. But, you know, that game happened. But by no means should people be blaming Malone for the loss in Minnesota. 
In fact, it should be the opposite. He should get credit because he somehow kept that team motivated and kept them from quitting and really pushed this thing into overtime. And they were great in the third, fourth quarter, and in overtime. Like Half they were the third. Were, I, I don't know about the entire uh, Yeah, third. I guess they, they started out a little slow. They got punched in the mouth. It was like a 6-2 to two run to start. But mm. they came back and fought. They won the third quarter. They held the Minnesota Timberwolves to 17 points in the third quarter. And in overtime, people t- tend to forget that offense was humming. They were getting whatever they wanted against the Timberwolves defense. That was great in the first first half like that is notable that means that this team had confidence and they were running the offensive system in the nuggets philosophy that michael malone wanted them to and they did not revert to hero ball they stuck with the system even in overtime these this team's buying in that's slowly coming together it's not there yet but i think by playoff time this whole thing will be together and i I think especially with Millsap coming back you don't know what this team will do with the deadline this is going to be a team nobody wants to play in the playoffs it's true. And then starting Mason Plumley uh, at, at power forward or center alongside Nikola Jokic, however you want to call them each, it's going to help this team because Paul Millsap is another skilled big that is somewhat paint I hear you there. Like that is going to make it an easier transition to get Millsap back integrated into this team defensively and offensively. And I'm looking forward to see how quickly that works. But let's Just jump ahead now. Just make your free now. throws, Mason. Just make your free throws, Mason. <laughs> uh, let's jump ahead to the Philadelphia 76ers Denver Nuggets game on the on. What is it? December 30th. So we yeah, have two more days. Saturday. What are you expecting out of this game? I don't know. I I remember the game last year when Philly came in at this time of year and they they beat Denver. And Denver, for whatever reason, they struggle at home. Look, look over the last five years. While Philly's been bad, this team has struggled at home against the Philadelphia 76 for, for whatever reason. But I mean, this is a different Philly team. They've been struggling as of late. They got a nice win on Christmas Day over the Knicks. But this is a team with with Ben Simmons. I think he is the next great superstar in the NBA. The kid has all the skills. He needs to develop a jump shot. But his basketball IQ is through the roof. And you have the freak in, in Joel Embiid. He should be I mean, the other only than, person called a freak. By I mean, the way, other other than Antetokounmpo, can you think of a guy that has skills like like that? Not just, like just that. Freakish skills. Um, I I expect a tough tough game. Um, given the way Denver's played at home this year and the fact that they lost their last home game, I, I'll, I'll say Denver wins, but it won't be easy. Yeah. So Philly is two and nine in their last eleven games. They are traveling tonight, which we are recording this podcast a little bit about noon on Thursday, the twenty eighth. So they are going to be playing Portland tonight, which means they could be coming into this game with only two wins in their last twelve games, coming into the Pepsi Center to, to face the Nuggets. This is not a Philly team as dominant as they were when they started. Ben Simmons has fallen off. Joel Embiid's back has been giving him issues. Robert Covington hasn't been as good. So I do think the Nuggets could come out and st- and grab this win to fi- kind of finish out the year finally and plus Phoenix gets the gets the 76ers the next night they have a back-to-back on the second night so that so Philly could be motivated to grab this game but at the same time it's going to be interesting how this game ends up playing out I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen but to watch Joel Embiid and Jokic go just battle will be a lot of fun I want to bring up one more point involving that game um I I've been a fan and studying basketball obviously covering basketball for about 17 years now and uh been watching basketball since 1985. There's always a weird stat I look to uh, this time of year when I think about whether or not a team is playoff good. And this goes back to like the late 80s Nuggets. Like this is what I focused on. I Would they make the playoffs if, if this happened? When the new year turns, if a team has 20 or more wins, I consider them very good, playoff worthy, could do something in the playoffs. Nuggets right now at 19 wins. Could I? So just to bring up another point, the season did start two weeks earlier. Does that change your outlook on this? No, because it's this time of year. 
good teams start playing the way they should. Yeah. Everyone kind of struggles a little bit unless you're the Houston Rockets, you know, <laughs> in the in the first part of the season, but this time of year is when you your teams start your your really good teams start getting molded in that right direction. If you're at 20 wins, I don't care that the season started two weeks earlier. If you're at 20 wins right now, you're in good shape. And, yeah. and that's what the Nuggets can accomplish. And the Nuggets start through 34 games, are actually through 35 games now, right? Yeah, 35 games now. They have their best start since the 2010-11 season when they traded Carmelo Anthony. I thought it was 12-13 season. No, the 12-13 season, they did not start very well. They finished well. Yes, they finished really well. The they team were only lost three home, home games. And they were like 19 of 21 at like at, at, throughout January. It was like some freakish finish for that season. So 2010-11, the year the Nuggets traded Carmelo Anthony was the last time they have started this good. That's an incredible stat that it, I would not have guessed. Isn't that insane? That's a good so stat. This Nuggets team, man, and considering how young they are and considering the guys they're falling back on for minutes and how ragtag of a group it has been because you have Mason Plumley, who has been ailing. You have Wilson Chandler in and out of the lineup. Will Barton in and out of the lineup. Gary Harris in and out of the lineup. You have Nikola Jokic in and out of the lineup. Paul Millsap's out for three months. And they're still putting together the best start in, what, eight years almost? Seven years? Look back to last night's game, man. I, I've said this a bunch. This I'm gonna a say different it on, team. I'm, I'm going to say it on this podcast, man. Like... When it's all said and done, three to six years down the road, it's going to be Minnesota and Denver competing against each other for Western Conference championships. You saw I, I, I totally believe this. Actually, it's a good point because this is something you were, you've been hammering. You even forced us to do a whole segment about it at one point. And I was in, like, in, I don't know in, about In five this. years from now, who do you think are going to be the best teams in the Western Conference? It's, I think it's going to be Denver and Minnesota. It definitely could be. It really depends on what ends up happening with this team this year because I think that if they continue to struggle defensively, they could look to change their coach potentially in the next couple years. But, the Wolves? Yeah, Okay. if they're not playing well. Um, but at the same time, you, you're correct. And I think the, your point that you've made before on, the, on our show, the Walsh McBride show, that this could be a rivalry, a really big I think, rivalry. I think we're that Did way. you see Jimmy Butler in overtime talking crap to Jamal Murray after hitting up that hitting that pull-up jumper on the elbow? Like, you can't effing guard at, me. You it, and look, at guard yeah, and look at Jokic against Towns. Yeah. You're telling me they, they got a healthy respect for each oh, other. Oh, yeah, and I was watching the, the actually the Timberwolves broadcast last night, and they were pointing it out. They were like, Carl Anthony Towns loves playing against Nikola Jokic. Like, he takes a little bit of a vendetta against him because of all of the exposure Nikola Jokic gets that he feels like he should be getting instead. And I was like, that makes sense. Like, I love this. Like, I wish the NBA had more rivalries like this. That's the one thing football has over the NFL. The rivalries are legit. Like, when the when the Celtics and Lakers meet up, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I mean, but if these rivalries really start to pick up, especially this rivalry, and you see it with the Timberwolves or with the with the Trailblazers and the Nuggets as well in their division, I would love to see more of this chippiness, more of these rivalries within this team, and I think it's happening. In I think this is going to eventually turn into Lakers Blazers of the early 2000s. Yeah, that's what I think it's going to. Turn man, into. that would be a really, really that was those were fun teams, man. I love those early 2000 Blazers. Yeah, that teams. was back when I I believe Portland was in the Pacific, so they were they were division rivals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's man. I, that's gonna be a good rivalry. I can't wait to watch more of this. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? No, I think that's it, man. <laughs> this is happy another, New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to everybody. If you if you don't listen to this for about three days, but. Thank you for everybody for listening. This is the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride, at TJ McBride NBA. Tell them where to find you, Sean. At Sean Wall Sports on Twitter. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to you guys soon. Tell them that God coming. Now Russia need a replay button. Y'all up to something. Electoral votes look like memorial votes. But America's truth ain't ignoring the votes. It's blasphemy. How many go blast for me? I prophesized on my last song. You laughed at me. But when this ish get bracket, don't you ask for me. 
How many leaders go tell you the truth after me? G Malone, big bro, kudos to him. I was too old for my M, trying to be big as M. 30 millions later, my future favors, the legendary status of a hip-hop rhyme savior. Salmon and capers, fame and lawsuits. You looking at me and chucks, I'm looking at y'all suits. Me and Top Dog playing rock, paper, scissors in court. A real hustler lose money just to go get some more. I said it's like that. Drop one classic, came right back. Another classic, right back. My next album, the whole industry on the ice pack. With TLC, you see the flames in my EYEs. It's not a game, man. The whole world is going mad, daddy. You're sad, daddy. My only advice, go and get you a bag, daddy. Levaka, on trial, trying to portray a boxer. Beating up on my to end while the CEOs watch him. Tables turn, lesson learned, my best look. You jump sides on me, now you about to meet Westbrook. Go celebrate with your team and let victory vouch you. Just know the next game played, I might slap without you. Technical foul. I'm flavoring, I'm foul. They throwing me out. You throwing the towel. Look at the crowd. They peep. No, I don't like that. Look at my smile. I'm smirking. Calm but urgent. That ain't my style. So many verses. You live in denial. So many verses. I never run out. What? You're making them nervous. The music is loud. Ho, Jay-Z, Hall of Fame. Sit your punk ass down. So that means you ain't bigger than rapping. So that means no more playing the back seats. My spot is solidified if you ask me. My name is identified as that king. I let y'all worry about the list. I'm on some other issues. A difference between accomplishments and astonishments. You know what time it is. Any up, this is him forever. Y'all got till April the 7th to get your shit together. Let's get it.